3: Karen Turk, Dr. Gina is off. Coming up on primetime, Israel is under attack with violence exploding and rockets hitting the city of Tel Aviv. Harley Littman, a presidential appointee who helped to broker the Abraham Accords, is joining us with the latest updates. China is once again in the spotlight for human rights violations, with the Xinjiang province being described as an open-air prison. Austin Roos, the president for the Center of Family and Human Rights, kicks off that conversation. Liz Cheney was booted by House Republicans, and Biden met with congressional leaders to push the infrastructure package. D.C. Drano Rogan O'Hanley is here to navigate the swamp. Many Americans won't be navigating anywhere. They'll be at home all weekend completing their taxes. As the deadline on Monday approaches, Julio Gonzalez, America's tax reform expert, will be joining us in studio to talk tax. All that and more tonight on Dr. Gina Primetime. This year, we all got the gift of time driven by the pandemic. The IRS extended the due date to file tax returns, but the clock runs out on Monday. Returns are due at the beginning of this week. This leaves many Americans with a stressful weekend ahead. Not surprisingly, the gift of time wasn't really so much about helping the American taxpayer as it was about buying time for the agency to adjust its computer systems and forms to account for the tax changes made by the American Rescue Plan Act. But what do those changes mean for a typical taxpayer? The most interesting man in tax, Julio Gonzalez, is here with us. Welcome, Julio.
1: Thanks for having me, Karen.
3: Oh, so good to have you. This is a crazy time for a lot of Americans working on their taxes over the weekend.
1: A stressful time, right? Yeah. Death and taxes are the two things people don't want to deal with. And uh, here it comes, right? So it's on the door here. We got till Monday. And now it's time to you know get get it done
3: what do you say to people that feel like you know they're rushed they're here now it's upon them monday is fast approaching and they're stressed out about this weekend what's the best action for them to take
1: listen the best action you can take is just to extend it you actually have till october 15th to get all your tax returns done so file the extension go online file that extension get that done because that's so critical right that gives you A few more months to go through all your receipts, go through all your income, but also apply all these tax credits and tax deductions associated with all the stimulus programs and the CARE Act, and and hopefully that time buys you some opportunity. But I understand, listen, most people that file get a refund, so they want to get that refund, right? But do you want the refund today, or do you want a bigger refund because you put a little work into it?
3: That's a very good point, and I'm sure that you know, some people who think they're gonna do it on their own, maybe they're a little stuck by this point, You know, filing an extension, maybe hiring an accountant, hiring that accountant could really pay off because the money that they might save and the credits and things that they didn't identify themselves, they might make up for with that accountant.
1: This year, more than ever, I think, could be the good investment. I think a lot of people try to do it online, but having a professional helping you out And spending a couple hundred dollars to get that done and get his advice like there's child credits there's unemployment credits there's employment credits right there's college credits there's school credits there's so many things and then remember if you miss the stimulus payments you can put that on line 30 right so you can get the uh, stimulus payments that you missed that didn't come to you your spouse your children so take advantage of all that but that is a lot and there's a lot of information and now people have been staying home, right? So now we have home deductions to be thinking about, right? Right off a portion of your house, right? That you've rented for your office space, the 5G, all the communications, everything that goes into office supplies, right? And maybe you're driving your car a little bit more Mm -hmm. because you're working from home. Maybe that's an expense. You have to consider all those things to make sure that you're taking advantage of these changing rules, And you're right, it was a little bit delayed because everyone had to catch up. The IRS is catching up, the accounts are catching up, but there's a lot to navigate. So take some time, maybe extend, get a professional and just make sure that you capture everything that's due to you.
3: In some ways, this could actually be a blessing in disguise for some Americans where there's a lot of credits and things that previously they wouldn't have had access to that are now available because of the pandemic and because of the new administration. I mean, overall, over time, we'll have to see how that all works out, but it could work to some advantage of some Americans right now with filing on Monday.
1: Well, there's no doubt. Listen, get get some help. Go online at least and do some research because there are so many tax advantages. This year, more than ever, right because of the pandemic, we passed three stimulus bills through the CARES Act To help people but that's all built into a thousand new pages of tax code right Mm -hmm. so everyone's trying to understand all this but the most important person is yourself and you got to take care of yourself knowledge is so critical when it comes to preserving wealth and i think this year more than ever it uh, it comes down to understanding the rules
3: yeah and i mean you're you're the king of tax credits i mean that's really what you do what is the one tax credit that most americans overlook that they should be aware of when they're filing their tax return
1: Well, the the one I think that's most important this year is the employment retention credit, right? So if you're an employer and you maintain employees during this whole pandemic, there's credits associated with that, not only in 2020, but 2021, but look, you only get one time to file it, right? So you gotta get it right. And this could be significant refunds. You did a great thing as being a patriot. You kept your doors open, you kept employees in in getting paychecks and now, make sure you get those refunds, those credits.
3: Yeah, and I think there are a lot of Americans, I mean, not only do we sort of have a care crisis on our hands as far as insurance and other things that we need to work out as a whole, but I think a lot of people had extra medical expenses this year, whether they were related to coronavirus or you know other things that went on. Is there a credit that they can take for those Medi-Cal expenses this year?
1: Well, everyone overlooks this one, right? So medical expenses, you get to deduct a lot of those medical expenses and probably in 2020, no higher year than than that for the pandemic i mean i'm sure a lot of people were going to the hospital and scrambling and you know collecting all these bills for medical expenses and so no doubt those can be expense most people miss that and so this is the time to add up all those things make sure that you've taken advantage of all your flexible spending accounts listen you still have time to contribute to an ira and take that tax deduction as well so there's little things there, but those little things add up to a lot.
3: I want to go back to the FSAs for a second, because I think a lot of people don't realize that they actually have to spend that FSA money by the end of the year, correct? They have to actually use that money or else- Right.
1: Yeah. Right, And I mean, they're doing such a great thing, right? They're taking the tax deduction by putting this money aside for medical expenses in their flexible spending account, but you got to use it, right? Because you use it or lose it. and so. You don't want to do the good thing, but then not take advantage of the benefits. You
3: should rush and make that doctor's appointment or that dental appointment or whatever you have to do before you, you file. Yeah, I, I get that. And I think that that's probably something that a lot of people overlook. The child tax credit, is that different than in years past? Is there some more of an advantage right now for Americans?
1: It's much larger, right? So we increased it. We increased it for children under five and then children all the way up to the uh, late teens, right? That are living with you. And so it's much bigger. And so you have to take advantage of that. You have to make sure that you put that into the uh, tax return. You have to know that there are higher amounts now, especially for the younger kids. And so don't miss that because that's a big one. So
3: your advice is grab a drink, go out to the pool, file an extension, enjoy your weekend and don't sequester yourself in the house and drive yourself crazy.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, take your time, file it, an extension and get some professional help.
3: Awesome. Always great having you. Great advice. Thanks Thank you. so much, Julio. Up next, the attack on Israel is the most intense conflict we've seen since the Israel-Gaza war in 2014. And Israel has begun placing troops along the border with Gaza as violence with Hamas continues to escalate. Biden has said that he's hopeful that the violence will be closing down sooner or later and that Israel should defend itself. Meanwhile, AOC sides with the Palestinians, showing her true colors for America's closest ally. As Ilian Omar cuddles up with the Palestinians and accuses Israel of terrorism. Senator Marco Rubio calling out the Congresswoman, saying she's out of her mind. You're gonna wanna stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Dr. Gina Primetime after this. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. I'm Karen Turk. Dr. Gina's off tonight. The attack on Israel seems to be escalating. For families in Tel Aviv with young children, the latest overnight attacks on the capital were probably the first time that parents had to wake their babies in a panic, rush to a bomb shelter, and try to explain what was happening. Since the last war with Hamas in 2014, Israel's capital has largely avoided bouts of fighting. Democratic leadership predominantly seems to be on the side of our closest ally, but as no surprise the radical left is siding with the Palestinians. State Department spokesman Ned Price responded to a tweet by Representative Ilhan Omar in which she claimed that the deputy mayor of Jerusalem was supporting ethnic cleansing. Price fired back at reporters stating that Omar's claim was not something that analysis supports. Omar also tweeted out criticism towards the White House for their support of Israel, stating that the American ally is the oppressive occupation. Of course, AOC has also jumped on the radical progressive anti-Israel bandwagon. She's claiming once again that Israel is occupying Palestine and criticizing Joe Biden for standing up in defense of Israel. Here's what Biden had to say about where the White House actually stands on this issue.
4: My... uh NASA security staff and defense staff has been in constant contact with their counterparts in the Middle East, uh, not just with the Israelis, but also with uh, everyone from the Egyptians to the Saudis to the Emiratis, etc. And uh, I had a conversation with Bibi Netanyahu uh, not too long ago. I'll be putting out a statement very shortly on that. Um, my expectation and hope is that uh, uh, this will be uh Closing down sooner than later, but uh, Israel has a right to defend itself when you have thousands of rockets flying into your territory. But uh, I had a, a conversation for a while with with the uh, Prime Minister of Israel, and uh, I think that uh, my hope is that we'll see uh, this coming to conclusion sooner than later.
3: Although Joe Biden has shown support for Israel in light of this attack, we really have taken a huge step backwards towards peace in the region. Although President Trump, with President Trump, there was significant progress made in achieving peace in the Middle East. Just eight months ago, President Trump announced that the historic peace agreement between the UAE and Israel was gonna be enacted. Remember this?
2: Not since the Israel-Jordan peace treaty was signed More than 25 years ago has so much progress been made towards peace in the Middle East. By uniting two of America's closest and most capable partners in the region, something which said could not be done, this deal is a significant step towards building a more peaceful, secure, and prosperous Middle East.
3: Those certainly were better days in so many ways. That peace accord really should have been a shift towards peace in the region. But under the new administration, it seems like we're reliving the 2014 conflict during the Obama administration. One of the people that was instrumental in brokering this historic peace accord is here to give us some insight on what's next. Harley Lipman, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
3: You're so welcome. Do you think that the Middle East partners that were a part of this accord are gonna step in and step up for Israel and peace? Word is that Egyptian delegates have arrived to attempt to negotiate a ceasefire.
2: Yeah, I do think so. You know, there's been a tectonic shift in the Middle East and Israel and the United States has closer friends now, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Egypt, even Saudi Arabia and all of them respect the territorial integrity of each other's nations, and none of them are viewing the attacks from Hamas on Israel favorably. These nations see that this is a violent, aggressive action on behalf of Hamas, who are intentionally trying to kill civilians, whereas the Israelis, who have the military power to basically wipe out Hamas and Gaza, are trying to surgically take out just the bad guys, the terrorists. But since these people embed themselves with civilians, invariably there's going to be civilian casualties, but the Israelis really go out of their way to avoid civilian casualties, even at the risk of their own soldiers and fighters. And that's the difference right then and there. And that one side, is trying to deliberately kill innocent civilians. And I think if we stand for anything, it's that no matter what your grievance is, you don't deliberately try to kill innocent people.
3: Yeah, it's pretty unreal that we have some congressional leaders that are turning their backs on our closest allies and really seemingly are supporting terrorism here. I mean, is that it's really a disturbing fact, is it not?
2: very much so you know what i'd say to those people aoc or ilian omar i'd say just stand up for your beliefs you you say you're a liberal progressive which above all speaks to tolerance hamas is against women is against gays is against democracy they're against the other anyone who is not like them they're against it's a dictatorship it's corrupt they don't take care of their own people they spend hundreds of millions on all kinds of weapons to kill people in Israel while neglecting the welfare of their own people. So on every measurable level that a liberal progressive would value a cause or a movement, Hamas fails the test. And on every measurable level, Israel passes the test. While Israel is not flawless, they make mistakes and they are flawed. By any standards, they speak up for human rights. Palestinians have a Supreme Court to go to, they are thriving in Israel. 80% of all the pharmacies in Israel are owned by Palestinians, and they're doing very well. And what happened here is that Hamas took advantage of what would be in any other country a landlord-tenant dispute. The the people who own this uh, homes in East Jerusalem, their families had bought it legally from the people who owned that land, which were the Turks for hundreds of years. The Ottoman Empire controlled that land of the Middle East until 1947. So they bought the land legally and worked hard to build it up. And basically you have squatters staying there who refused to pay rent over decades. And that's what really this is all about, but Hamas is cleverly manipulating this, trying to make this an issue of Israeli uh, difficulty in letting worshipers go to the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is a very big holy site for the Muslim world, the, the third biggest holy site after Mecca and Medina in Jerusalem. So they're trying to manipulate this to get to uh, improve their standing among the Palestinians. They're doing it partly to punish Abbas because he canceled elections. There hasn't been elections in 15 years because he knew he would lose and everybody knew that Hamas' standing would, would increase, so he's doing it for that reason. He's also trying to make sure that the Israeli party, um, Arab party called Ra'am, Muslim Brotherhood, does not join the coalition because they don't want that to happen because they feel to give legitimacy to an Israeli government when you have a militant Islamic group joining it, even though they're a very, very small part of that. And lastly, they're testing the Biden administration and they feel emboldened. And we all know where this is all really coming from, is Iran. Iran funds them, supplies them, guides them, trains them. They are doing that not only in Lebanon with Hamas, but just look at, I mean, not only in Gaza with Hamas, but just look at Lebanon. The last war with Lebanon, which is controlled by Hezbollah, an Islamist group controlled by Iran, they had 4,000 missiles. Which only was able to hit northern Israel had a very light payload and was highly inaccurate. Now, conservatively, that, that
3: actually brings up a really good point. I want to I want to bring that up real quick. You know, Tel Aviv hasn't been attacked in many many years. Uh, the fact that they're now attacking Tel Aviv instead of just northern Israel really seems to be a bold move on the part of the Palestinians. Do you think that this action that they're taking in bombing Tel Aviv is gonna lead to more action and retaliation for that?
5: Well,
2: Israel used to have a more aggressive policy of deterrence, which means if you hit Israel once, they'll hit you back five times harder. And that has worked very successfully for decades. Over the years, they have relaxed that policy, and they're not hitting Hamas back, in this case, as hard as they could have or as hard as they used to. And I just heard on your program, President Biden said he anticipates an early resolution. This, to me, means that Biden is putting huge pressure on the parties to cut this out. And so they're putting huge pressure on uh, on, on the Arab nations there, on probably Russia and China to put pressure on Hamas. And he's putting pressure on Iran to say, you've got to stop this. But this is a real test of the Biden administration to see how do they deal with this type of conflict when Iran is clearly trying to murder innocent people in Israel. And there are American tourists there. These rockets could end up killing Americans that are in Israel. So this is this really reveals who Hamas is. It reveals that Iran is looking to kill as many Israelis as possible. And as they say themselves all the time, ultimately destroy the Jewish nation.
3: Yeah, those are all great points. And let's all hope that this gets better before it gets worse. Thank you so much for your insight, Harley.
2: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
3: Great having you on. Up next, China is violating human rights and the entire province of Xinjiang is being compared to an outdoor prison. United Nations members are calling for action after human rights groups were denied access. When UN members met, they were urged beforehand not to participate in the meeting, with China calling it an anti-China event. We'll be back in a minute with more Dr. Gina Primetime.
0: Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. I'm Karen Turk sitting in for Dr. Gina. She's out tonight. In a story you won't see in the mainstream media, China should be making headlines. An estimated one million people have been confined to camps in Xinjiang. Authorities have been accused of forced labor, systematic birth control and torture. The Chinese government is flatly rejecting the allegations. The UN is calling for action and US Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield claims that the Biden administration will stand up and speak out but they've been virtually silent about this crisis. Joining us now is human rights activist, Austin Roos. Welcome to the show, Austin.
6: Thanks very much for having me.
3: You're so welcome. Uh, You know, under President Trump, it seemed that China was beginning to change their ways. But since January, we've seen a resurgence of China kind of thrumming their nose up at the UN and not cooperating with human rights questions. What's really happening here?
6: Well, we have known, gosh, for at least 25 years or more that the Chinese have have, uh, violated the human rights of of women. Uh, Steve Mosier was uh, a leftist academic who went into China many, many years ago and was shocked at what he discovered. And he was then shocked that... that, The feminist left could not have been less interested uh, in in the abuses uh, committed against uh, Chinese women. So last year, uh, a German researcher, Adrian Zenz, published a voluminous report which cited chapter and verse of ongoing human rights abuses, including the forced insertion of IUD devices for sterilization forced sterilization, forced abortion uh, against the Uyghur women in the Xinjiang province. It is estimated that upwards of a million people are, are in custody uh, in concentration camps in that province now. And the Chinese could not be less interested in, ask, in answering the charges of human rights groups. They never have been, and, and they never will be.
3: Why do you think, I mean, you know, I'm so tuned into this story and it's so disturbing. Why is the mainstream media virtually silent on this issue?
6: Well, the mainstream media has deep tentacles into China or the other way around. Uh, moreover, uh, if it if it touches on the issue of quote, reproductive health, uh, the left in the media, the sexual left just is not interested because they look upon it as a wedge to go after so-called reproductive health and reproductive rights. And that's one of the biggest issues at the United Nations. Every single document negotiated at the United Nations somehow touches on so-called reproductive health and reproductive rights. And what they mean by that, of course, is abortion. So they are afraid of touching this issue. And the United Nations is not going to act on this. China is too is too powerful. There there may be some countries that speak out. But China has so much leverage around the world. I mean, they're building roads and bridges and even soccer stadiums. I saw a soccer stadium they built in Costa Rica some years ago. So the number one issue with the United Nations is reproductive health. This will be seen as a wedge issue against reproductive health and reproductive rights. And this is why the mainstream media is not interested. That and the fact that, that China China owns a large part of the of of the U.S. media
3: scary stuff and you know another scary point is you know as many as 1 million people are being held in these camps I mean we saw you know 6 million Jews perish in World War II you know how is this really different than the Nazi death camps of those days
6: well, you know, we have to understand that the Nazis had had a goal of wiping out the Jewish people. So, in that way, it is a little bit different. But in terms of numbers, it is truly shocking. I, 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 am stunned by by the by the number—a million people in custody right now uh, in the Xinjiang province. Uh, so, y- y- yes, I mean, it, it, there are similarities. Absolutely, there are similarities. But China, China is so powerful. Um, they have leverage. All over the world, and especially at the United Nations. So I'm skeptical that anything will
4: change.
3: Yeah, I, I I'm skeptical too. And you know, just watching this is really really disturbing. Uh, you know yeah. what what needs to happen here? Does America really need to lead the calls for action?
6: Well, I'll tell you what. The United States should be working in concert with uh, our allies in Europe. You know, there's uh, they're not even bringing this up at something called the Universal Periodic Review, which is a UN process where governments get together and, and criticize each other on established human rights. So this is not even coming up at the Universal Periodic Review. Uh, I, I doubt that it will. They will have much leverage at the Human Rights Council. Um, but what ought to happen? is economic leverage from the United States and from uh, our partners in Europe. I don't know that we have the courage to do that or even whether our European partners would be willing to do that.
3: It seems like we were making progress under the former administration, under President Trump, um, You know, with sanctions and other things that were hurting China economically. But I think at this point, we're going backwards instead of forwards. Do you think that's having an impact?
6: Well, you know, uh, last summer, um, President Trump and a bipartisan group in in the U.S. Congress passed a, a Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act, wh- which called for reports and and and, and other activities uh, to to uh, to bring the Chinese to heel on this particular issue. Um, I don't know that that any real progress has been made. I mean. President Trump was involved in sanctioning uh, China on trade policy and was speaking out on this particular issue. Oh, gosh, just in January, you know, the Chinese issued a report uh, talking about how the Uyghur women have been emancipated uh, from being, quote, baby making machines. And President Trump condemned that. Mike Pompeo condemned that. Uh, Sam Brownback, uh, the U.S. ambassador on religious freedom, condemned that. Um, I, I don't see much of that happening right now. So we'll see how far, how far back we will be sliding under the Biden administration. But I encourage them to step up and do something about this.
3: Yeah, you, you kind of got a little ahead of my question, which is good because my next question <laughs> was gonna be, you know, if you saw this situation escalating under Biden and it sounds like you do see it escalating under this administration.
6: Well, yes. Um, You know, uh, the the Chinese are not slowing down on this particular issue. And I'll just come back to the fact that we have known about this for a very long time. We have known about their abuses of women uh, with regard to forced abortion. Let's not forget the Chinese one-child policy. Uh, That went on for years and and had a significant impact on on the sex ratio disparity in in China. Uh, And still, we never did anything about it. Um, I'm skeptical whether we will do anything about it, especially given the fact that uh, that Joe Biden and his family have such close ties to to the Chinese Communist Party. It's hard for me to believe that they will step away from that and do something meaningful to stop this widespread human rights tragedy that's going on as we speak. I mean, think of, as you you brought up, you know, the the Holocaust. You know, we rightly criticize people who knew about it and did nothing. That's happening now. That's happening right now as we speak.
3: Yeah, and and that's exactly what it seems like. The mainstream media is silent. You know, I I don't know what kind of action this administration is going to take. It sounds like you don't have any insight to that either. And, you know, just a few weeks ago, we saw the U.S. State Department, you know, back off the idea of boycotting the Beijing Olympics, which maybe would be something that would have hit them where it, it hurts, you know, in their pocketbook. You know, do you think that those boycotts would make a difference here?
6: Well, I don't know that, uh, I mean, it would be a black eye to the Chinese, there's there's no question about that. And it would make them very, very angry. But I'm just going to go back to the point that they have tremendous leverage. We have allowed them for many, many years to gain great uh, leverage, uh, just even in Central America, in Latin America, in Africa. So they have a lot of economic leverage all over the world, and so it would take a great deal of courage. For any country not to send a delegation uh, 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 of athletes, um, but I, 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 like I said, I just don't see that happening. As tragic as this is, China has too much power, and we have let them gain all this power.
3: Yeah, we really have, and it's it's economic power. And I think you know it, we should you know yeah. maybe the answer is to urge Americans, you know, to go back to that America First policy that we had under the prior administration. <laughs> And uh, you know, convince them to buy American because the longer yeah. we feed the Chinese economy, the worse this is gonna get.
6: You know, it's so hard to uh, avoid things that are made in China. You know, some months ago I was buying something from Amazon and I asked the seller where are these made and maybe it was something from Facebook and, and they said it's made in China and I said, Well, I, I, I'm not gonna buy it. And they said, Well, you know, it's practically impossible to avoid buying things that are made in China. You know, it's, it's like all the crap that you buy at uh, at Walmart. Uh, it's all made in China. Uh, and we have allowed this to happen over the last half century. I, I remember when made in China was a joke and now everything is made in China. So, you know, I, I, I would love it if we could avoid buying things from China. And I, I have I have wanted to do that for a very long time. But it's very, very hard.
3: It is. It goes even beyond that. You know, I, I've I've made the point before that you know you look at you know you, your shampoo bottles, different things that you're buying. Some of those plastic <laughs> products yeah. come from China. So even when you think you're buying something that's made in America, it might not be. So they've really they've got us in yeah. a weird position. But let's hope this gets better. I really want to thank yeah. you for joining us. I think you've made some excellent points tonight.
4: It
6: is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
3: Thank you so much. Coming up next, we have the latest news from Washington, D.C., where Liz Cheney was given the boot and Biden was pushing his $2 trillion infrastructure package to Congress. We're joined by a man who's been outspoken about draining the swamp. D.C. Drano Rogan O'Hanley is here to make some sense of it all. You're going to want to stick around. Dr. Gina Primetime is back after this. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. I'm Karen Turkin for Dr. Gina tonight. Liz Cheney has been ousted from her leadership position after being at odds with the majority of the GOP and she left with very strong words for President Trump. Here's a clip from her press conference yesterday.
1: Uh, I uh, will do uh, everything I can to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. We have seen the danger Uh, that he continues to provoke with his language. Uh, We have seen his lack of commitment and dedication to the Constitution. Uh, And I think it's very important that we make sure whomever we elect is somebody who will be faithful to the Constitution.
3: After her press conference, lots of her colleagues stepped in to comment. Representative Byron Donald said that Cheney was becoming a distraction for Republicans. And Madison Cawthorn chimed in on Twitter with, na, 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 hey, 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 goodbye to Liz Cheney. The most likely replacement for Cheney as conference chair is Representative Elise Stefanik, a Republican and Trump supporter. Stefanik has the backing of Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Minority Whip Steve Scalise. The Republican Party has been at odds over the last several months over the outcome of the election and support for President Trump was removing liz cheney the right answer to move the party forward rogan ohanley dc drano is here to give us some answers welcome to the show
5: thank you for having me on
3: was getting rid of liz cheney the right move here
5: well uh i think with 100 percent certainty uh it was the right move you know with republicans like liz cheney who needs democrats you listen to her talk and you're like, are you, you know, Pelosi's right hand woman? I, I don't understand. She says she's going to do everything she can to makes, to make sure President Trump doesn't get reelected. Hello, that guy won the GOP nomination. That is the person that Republican uh, voters, uh, you know, chose twice to run for president. And with so many election irregularities last time, I certainly believe you know, he deserves another shot, especially as we clean things up. So she says, oh, he, he doesn't respect the Constitution. That uh, President Trump is the first guy to actually respect the Constitution since Reagan. Uh, he defended our Second Amendment rights. No new gun laws were passed. He, uh, you know, kept our borders tight. Without borders, we don't have a country. There was peace in the Middle East. Our economy was booming. You know, th- uh, th- she's just part of this globalist establishment you know, rhino faction of the GOP that's trying to reclaim authority, but we the people are putting them back in their place where they belong outside of GOP leadership.
3: Yeah, and was anybody actually surprised that she gave her exclusive interview to the Today Show?
5: No, and President Trump remarked uh, somewhat, uh, you know, smartly that he's looking forward to see her as a paid, uh, you know, commentator on CNN or MSDNC, that's where these rhinos love to to live, you know, Adam Kinzinger, Mitch McConnell, they, you know, when you're getting praised by uh, those networks, by Hillary Clinton, by Pelosi, you're doing something wrong. You are way out of touch with the GOP base. So I'm sure uh, Daddy will continue to open up jobs for her. Uh, Daddy couldn't save her this time, but uh, it looks like America will be saved in the end.
3: Yeah, do, do you actually think, did she really believe that this was going to go in any other direction for her?
5: I actually think she did. And not because she has the best policies or she best represents you know, the voting constituency of the GOP, but because I think she knows she's extremely well connected. Daddy is a former vice president. He, you know, launched us into wars in the Middle East with no end. If he can do that, what else can't he do? So, uh, you know, we're, we're still detoxifying the GOP of these, you know, globalist, open border, uh, establishment types. Uh, Mitt Romney, you know, he should be on notice. Uh, Adam Kinzinger, like I said, and you know, there's been a lot that have kind of, you know, left. Uh, Paul Ryan bounced like a coward, uh, you know, Jeff Flake, Bob Corker. So uh, we're, we're still doing our best to clean out this GOP. And I hope that one day soon, you know, people in the House Freedom Caucus, instead of just being a minority of the GOP, are actually who the GOP is, the people that love, support, and defend the Constitution
3: yeah, I, she you know unfortunately she's far from alone. You know, what about the rest of these ten Republicans who voted to impeach Trump after January 6th? What do you think's on the horizon for them?
5: I don't think they're gonna be very happy come primary season next year. You know, it's something unlike I've ever seen in GOP politics where we have such a concerted effort from top to bottom from people like President Trump, and people in his circle, all the way down to the grassroots, where you get to people like Scott Pressler, for example, uh, and Alex Brucewitz, and these are activists that are, you know, weaponizing their vast social media networks to target these specific people that went after one of our greatest presidents ever in a moment of weakness, when the establishment clearly, you know, the knives came out all at once. So. Uh, President Trump has the most important thing still in his back pocket, We the People. And, uh, you know, we have memories like elephants. So we'll see what happens.
3: Yeah. And, you know, people like Alex are standing up for We the People because they're getting the message out and they're speaking for the people, which I think is what our elected officials are supposed to do. And it's crazy that the likes of Liz Cheney and these other people don't actually represent the constituents that they're supposed to support.
5: Well, they represent a rapidly shrinking donor class that, uh, you know, in the end, maybe some of these people are even controlled opposition. Hey, uh, you know, you, you got to play the part of a Republican. But in the end, you're just doing, you know, the Democrat Party's work. You're doing what, uh, you know, Big Pharma or the military industrial complex wants you to do. It seems like a lot of these people, maybe they went into Congress with the best of intentions. But listen, there's a lot of money to be made when you sell out. And uh, some people have the spine and, and the integrity to stick to the Constitution. And others uh, you know, follow the money and will do whatever their donors tell them to do. And it's very easy to distinguish between the two at this point. The GOP base is very alert to this type of stuff, and we aren't standing for it anymore.
3: You know, speaking of money, I also want to ask you about this Biden $2 trillion infrastructure plan. It's, you know, it's left most of us wondering what's actually defined as infrastructure. This bill seems to put such a heavy emphasis on social programs. And Biden has threatened to pass this bill without Republicans. You know, he met with uh, Representative McCarthy and Senator McConnell yesterday. And I just want to play a little clip of what they said.
4: Clearly, uh, Senate Republicans are not interested in revisiting the 2017 tax bill. I think the president and the vice president understand that. Uh, Beyond that, uh, we're interested in trying to get an outcome. And I think the first step is obviously to define what infrastructure is, the the definition of it. And we I think all agreed to work on that uh, together. My preference is to include uh, the committees. They're where the experts are. The president's actually been meeting with members of my conference. Some of them are coming down here tomorrow who know the most about this. And I don't favor having a top-down dictation as to what this package looks like.
3: Seems like there might be some hope here. You have some thoughts on this uh, this clip that we just watched?
5: Well, I appreciate the gesture at bipartisanship. But as we've seen, you know, Biden came into power uh, you know, claiming to be a moderate, claiming to be bipartisan. His actual policies, his actual actions have been anything but he had the most executive orders in the first month beyond any president by multiples. We've got a border crisis, We've got a gas crisis. We've got a Middle East crisis. We've got an unemployment crisis. This guy is not reaching across the aisle. he's reaching, uh, into the radical left portion of his base and doing whatever they tell him to do. So as much as I appreciate the bipartisan, uh, you know, the, the illusion of bipartisanship here, I do believe that this is all just for, for theater, for show, and that Democrats are going to push what is just a massive pork spending wish list bill. Uh, Child daycare has nothing to do with infrastructure. Electric vehicles have nothing to do with infrastructure. You know, elderly care. These are all important things, nothing to do with infrastructure. These are just Democrat pet projects. So in the end, I do think they are just going to push this through since uh, Republicans are opposed to any tax increases. And they want to actually reduce some of the spending here. But inflation is getting out of control with the last $2 trillion bill. So I don't know what Biden and his crew are expecting to happen after this.
3: Yeah, it's it seems like a slippery slope to socialism, you know, wrapped up in a package meant to be infrastructure. It doesn't seem like these programs have any place in a bill meant for infrastructure. And I think that's been pointed out again and again. Would you agree?
5: Absolutely. I mean, infrastructure sounds great, right? We all want bridges. We all want roads. We all want better, you know, electricity and water and pipelines. But again, probably only about a third to half is actually designated towards traditional actual infrastructure. Uh, You know, uh, per, you know, DC, uh, again, like establishment corruption and greed, they're just going to try and ram through as much spending as possible. You know, you look at California, they're just giving out uh, stimulus checks now that they got their stimulus from the federal government. Uh, you know, New York doing similar things. So, you know, the the, the federal government piggy bank, uh, the taxpayer money is is wide open. They're reaching their hand, grabbing everything they can while they still have control of Congress. Uh, you know, these midterms really can't come soon enough to put a stop to this madness.
3: Yeah, it's madness. And in closing, my last question, what do you think the answer is here? Do you think this bill is gonna get pushed through? Do you think they're gonna make some changes to it? What do you think the future holds here for this infrastructure bill?
5: Well, I think the GOP does have some leverage in withholding their support for potential future bills where they would need bipartisan support. So the filibuster in the Senate requires uh, 60 votes. And the only way you can circumvent that, if it's for pure kind of spending type bills, um, which you know you then only need the 51 votes as long as you have Democrats unified, Kamala goes in there and passes it through. So on actual substantive uh, legislation like immigration or any type of gun bills or maybe marijuana legalization or anything that they're potentially considering, uh, you know you are going to need GOP support, and there are many things that we can come together on and pass. So I think uh, you know if, if Joe Biden wants to be known as passing actual substantive legislation that changes this country, not just spends more money and raises taxes on middle class Americans, then you know they're going to try and play ball on this infrastructure bill.
3: Well, we'll see, we'll see if they play ball or not. It's gonna be interesting to see what unfolds. I guess we're gonna have to follow up on this and hopefully we'll have you back on again to talk a little bit more about how it does unfold. Thanks so much for joining me tonight.
5: Thank you for having me on.
3: And thanks to everyone else for joining me tonight. And thanks to everyone here at your new home for Real News, Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6B is up next. I want to thank Dr. Gina for giving me the honor of filling in for her tonight. And as she always says, hug your children, love your God, go boldly now, and live the truth.